How's it going, everybody? This is Andy McCullough from The Athletic here with Pedro Mora, also of The Athletic. Welcome to the latest edition of The Scribes of Summer, the athletics podcast about the Dodgers, who have still yet to play a baseball game since we started this podcast. Do you think we're the problem, Pedro? We're part of the problem, that's for sure. <laughs> Hi, Andy. Hey. How you doing? How are you? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. I'm still just waiting, you know. We're waiting for, uh, for I don't even know what. What are we waiting for? I got a text from a fellow, uh, a friend of ours, a, a baseball writer, uh, who said, uh, I no longer understand the nuances of this negotiation. And yeah, I, I, have, I have no, like, I, I don't know what is additional salary advance relief. Do you know what that is? Additional salary advance relief? No, I don't know what that is. Nor do I. Are we like, supposed to? No, no. I mean, it probably has to do with like, will they get paid uh, if they if there is not a game? And then, you know, because they got they did get paid a certain amount, a fairly significant amount before the season started. Right. So they're not going to get that money. It's way too arcane for like people's interest level, I yeah. think, in, in these negotiations between rich people. I'm with you on that. As we've said literally 11 times on this podcast <laughs> the negotiations are really just totally secondary to the larger issue right. in this country which is everyone is facing and right. so it's it's just it feels kind of like you're playing like a simulation where you're just doing it for fun i mean it's even though it's not fun at all but if you're you're just doing it for the hell of it right when you really have no control over the situation at all right yeah it is one of those things where where i felt like you know kind of last week with the way cases were increasing that you know we're getting to a point where the virus was going to sort of start to dominate the conversation again and that is kind of what happened over the weekend and that's where we're at now we're like they're negotiating about starting a season but like wh- where where can where can you start it i mean even if you take the the teams out of florida and arizona and they don't train there you still have the diamondbacks you still have the marlins the tampa bay rays the blue jays aren't really sure where they're going to play you still have the astros and the rangers i mean it's just i don't know i it's you know not great times not great times pedro no there are a lot of um things that need to be sorted out if they're going to start yeah. uh, playing baseball and even in a spring training fashion um a week from now right. as they say is still a possibility <laughs> uh, yeah i mean as we as we, like let's just put it this way okay right the idea baseball season they, they their plan is to play four months of continuous baseball with with right. essentially like 10 off days in between right and that's the way the owners make their money they say that's the way the players are going to be happy that's the way that the, the people the fans the people listening to this are going to be happy if the entire season is completed right so in order for that to happen they need there not to be an outbreak within the within the sport right, right? there was an outbreak already yeah. And they haven't even been playing. Right. So it's just pure as that. If right? you're having outbreaks for voluntary workouts, what's going to happen when there's mandatory workouts? What's going to happen when you're flying places? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's been a lot of like, and we've done it on here, and I think it's really a lot of times all we can do, you know, it's not all we can do, but when we're trying to like think about the baseball season uh, in 2020, there's been a ton of prediction about like, what will this season look like? Or like, how will my team, you know, compete in this sort of, you know, if it's 82 games or if it's 114 games or if it's 50 games, let's talk about something that's a little bit, uh, you know, less fun, but also at this point, more realistic. What happens to the Dodgers if there's no baseball in 2020 and how should they proceed moving forward? So, my question to you, Pedro, is if you were Andrew Friedman and the president of baseball operations of the Dodgers, and there's no baseball in 2020, 
What's your first move for 2021 and what are your main priorities? So let's start with this. The fortunate thing for the Dodd, the unfortunate thing is that they, you know, they don't have Mookie Betts under contract anymore in this situation. The fortunate thing is that they still remain a wonderfully set up organization, by far the best in their division, without much argument, in my opinion, the best in their league and probably the best in baseball. Let's start there. It's just not that dire of a situation in terms of the on-field personnel that they have attached mm-hmm. to the organization in the years to come. Um, my first priority is trying to see how realistic it is to entice Mookie Betts to come back to, to Los Angeles, to actually move to Los mm-hmm. Angeles, because he has never lived in Los Angeles. <laughs> so it starts there, I think. You know, that's a, that's a um, that's the nine-win player that they wanted, right. that they felt like they didn't have in the postseason outside of Bellinger in, in the last year. They need they wanted a middle-of-the-order bat who they could count on to deliver in the postseason, and they and. They have a ton of above-average hitters. They mm-hmm. don't have, um, in Justin Turner's, you, you could say a, a you know a top-of-the-line hitter, but he's you know as we've also discussed in this podcast before, he's going to be 36 before next right. season starts. There's not many 36-year-old hitters that are successful in this era. Um, so it starts with that. It starts with attracting Mookie Betts to return, and, and you know whether that's a short-term or long-term deal. And I think that is where the calculus is totally different than than in previous seasons mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the Dodgers have their their whole game has been to attract prime free agents they they've tried and failed to offer large amounts of of money over short terms mm-hmm. but with the Mookie Betts free agency upcoming they have the opportunity i think to sign up sign him to a different sort of deal mm-hmm. because there will be much less money being bandied about yeah. over long terms right. And so then it starts to make some sense because the Dodgers are uniquely positioned to be able to handle 20 or something, 25 million over their, you know, on their payroll uh, surplus, like in 2026, right? It's not going to be their total undoing if they have sunken money that, that far down the line. So they could offer something like, not that this is going to happen, and we're, I think we're going to get into this a little bit in greater detail, but like they can afford to offer 25 million to him many years from now mm-hmm. in a way that I'm not sure how many organizations still can. Mm-hmm. Or, and when I say still can, I, I mean are still going to be willing to come right. November. Right. So I think they are probably pretty well positioned to to attract, you know, one of baseball's best players to resign. And beyond that, I mean what what's the what's the problem? And they have Walker Bueller. They have mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw for another another season. They have Dustin May who at some point will be ready to take over a rotation spot. David Price is still going to be under contract. They still have a bunch of talented swingmen, Julio Urias, Wash Stripling. Did you call him Wash Stripling? Wash Stripling, Rowdy Ross. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Ruzder Gratterall, of course, Tony Gonsolin, Caleb Ferguson. They have a lot of talent. Yeah, for it's, sure. it's not a. It's just not a that big of a. Um, like you can put me down right now for a five ninety winning percentage. <laughs> for the Dodgers in, in 2021. I'm not going to do games because yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not certain there's going to be. Right. But um, they're going to be good. So yeah. They'll be good. Okay, so let's let's uh, let's maybe game this out a little bit. Can you make an offer, come up with a, a, a contract structure uh, without getting too you know arcane about it, but can you come up with an offer that Andrew Friedman would be willing to make that Mookie Betts would be willing to take. And I should say, actually, that Andrew Friedman would be able to convince owner Mark Walter to make um, because it's not, you know, Friedman's money and, you know, it's his job essentially to convince ownership to allow him to spend it. The quick back of the envelope thing is like six and 40. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) 
what? Yeah. You think the Dodgers can do that? It's not that much money. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a hundred million dollars less than it would have taken to sign him five months ago. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Does Mookie Betts take six one forty after having two forty? Sorry, two forty. Excuse me. Two forty after having turned down three hundred. That decision is a sunk cost. Like whatever economic phrase you want to use. I mean, he doesn't have that anymore. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a matter of is that the best offer he's going to get, or should he take one year for for fifty or forty five or. 40, if that's the deal. You know, and, and 6 and 240 is probably the outer limit. But I think that, like, it's not that hard for me to envision, like, the Yankees or something like that coming up with $250 million. I mean, this yeah. is, you know, the money's not due to him if they don't play, right? <laughs> that's one key <laughs> distinction here. So, like, if, if they're not playing next season, they still don't have to right. pay him. You know, if there's a strike in 2022, right. they don't have to pay right. him. So, if he's playing, he's going to be good. And next year, he will, he, I mean, he turns 28 in three, in three and a half months. Mm-hmm. So for the next four years, do you see any way he's not a good player? Uh, good, no. I mean, four to five wins as the floor, pretty easy, yeah. Yeah, so then what's the, like, what's the worst case scenario that is that you, that you have one, maybe two years of, of, the, of the downside right. of his career? That's, it's just not, and that's really not that big of a deal for the Dodgers, I don't think. Hmm. So something like that. I could see six to seven years being like a, uh, being the outer limit. Hmm. What, what are you going to say to this? Well, the, the hard part is just knowing what the finances are going to look like. I mean, look, you know, the yeah. Dodgers made a – they made a good – they had a good concept of an offer for Garrett Cole, but they never really got very far with it because they insisted on deferring money. So if they were deferring money before the pandemic and then you have a season where there's no revenue, I mean, I don't foresee them making an offer that's 240 with straight cash. And so yeah, I, sure. I wonder if, you know, that does create a – like, so I don't know if Mookie Betts is willing to take 240 with a significant chunk deferred if – you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's an interesting thought experiment. That's why we're doing it. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're doing a little – You're supposed to give me a number here, Doing Andy. a little bit of negotiating, yeah. as it were. Uh, if I were if, – if I were the Dodgers, what I would do is offer a one-year $40 million contract. Um, he's He can get more money than that, though. You think so? Yes. You think someone's going to give him 100 – you think someone's going to give him $41 million for one season? Or you think – But just maybe just it's the, not that. Okay. It's it's a longer gotcha. – like, like why would you do that versus – Versus um, four and and one uh, thirty. Hmm. Yeah, I guess now I think about it, that was a stupid idea. Yeah, I guess the play is somewhere in the middle. I think six. Yeah. I just don't think a one year deal is a good idea when that one year coincides with a, a pending yeah, heading, lockout. heading back into the lockout. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, mean, I just don't think that's a smart play. Six and two forty feels that's a pretty good number to be honest. I I I don't know if I have a better framework to come up with because I do think. That would be kind of tough to turn down. It's a lot of money. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and it's also, it's, I could see the Dodgers being able to, well, the Cole thing is weird, and we've never really gotten to the bottom exactly of why their offer was structured this way. I also think there probably was some issues in the communication between Scott Boris and Stan Kasson as they were negotiating the deal that may have prevented the the more concrete structures from being hammered out. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I would be interested to see... Like I just think the the market is going to be really fascinating this winter, and by fascinating I mean miserable for players. Um, yeah. But like I just don't 
I have no idea what it's going to look like, you know, and no one does. And so it's, it's difficult to predict, I guess. Even if, even if there's no baseball, it's difficult to predict because there's still so many other factors that, that go into it, I guess. Let's take a quick time out to tell you about Dugout Mugs, a company that started in a college dugout. Licensed by Major League Baseball, your favorite team laser engraved onto a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. Perfect for the big game, to put it on display, or to be the life of the party. A unique gift for a baseball fan. Go to dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and use promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. We are operating in a total uncertainty. I mean, we we would get these numbers wrong even if there was a normal season this year, right? If we <laughs> right. were if we were at the if we were at, like this would be like seventy five games into the season right now. Yeah. And we if we were if we were on this podcast on this afternoon and I was in I don't know where were they supposed to be like Atlanta or something like that, and um, and we were discussing this, we you know we would very plausibly be fifty million dollars off right. from the eventual figure. Right. But I feel pretty confident that like if that if he chooses to sign a long term contract, that I'm within forty or fifty million of that number there. Yeah. I if think, the goal is to be within that within that range, I'm probably going to go a little lighter, yeah. um, because I don't. He's not going to get 300 million dollars anymore. Right. But I don't know. I just I see that as a as a plausible figure for the big market teams that can withstand losses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to find out a, a good a good bit of intel about how teams are really doing financially this winter. I think um, we're going to find out which teams are actually like you know. Uh, like are are doing okay and which might be in some some serious trouble moving forward if they actually are. I think that's that's kind of yes. become clear. So if you had to give you give us a figure for Mookie Betts and his free agent contract, you you're taking 1 in 40? Uh no, I I just kind of said that. That's actually pretty stupid. Um I would say 3150. <laughs> that's a little good. That's a, wow. Okay. What you don't like that? It's a spicy one for sure. Yeah. I like it. It's kind I mean, of a challenge. Kind nice. of a challenge deal. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. We'll we'll, we'll see in um in like seven months or something like that because it's going to get signed in January, February. You know. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Do any of the other free agents uh, on the market tempt you? Do you think that those any of those fellows make sense for the Dodgers? The Marcus Stroman, Trevor Bauer, George Springer, uh, JT Real Muto. Uh, any of those guys make sense as someone the Dodgers should should actually be in on? Their starting pitching thing is is the same as it as it ever was. Is that yeah. they they have enough back end guys right. that they don't really need. Uh, they don't. I mean, Marcus Stroman. Like you look at. I did. I think I wrote this later in the in the year at the deadline. People were upset that the Dodgers didn't trade for right. him, and the Mets did. If you look at his career to date, to to Ross Stripling's. <laughs> To Wasp striplings, it's basically the same. Yeah. They've had the same. They've had the same career, more or less. Um, and so, why are you going to give? I mean, that, he's going to sign for quite a bit of money. Uh, and that's the thing, though, is I think there's this idea that guys are going to sign for quite a bit of money. I I don't necessarily agree with that. Outside of maybe a couple guys, so there's going to be. Okay, what, what, like what would it be? T- two years and twenty million? You're saying something like that? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope not for his sake, but you know, but yeah, why not? I don't know. Two thirty? Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you you're wrong with any degree of certainty. Right. So, uh, sure, we have no way of knowing. <laughs> he hasn't like he he hasn't put up like he does not have the track record that 
would convince you that mm-hmm. you're going to be comfortable with a five-year deal. Right, right. That's so. reasonable. But then again, like, you know, Zach Wheeler a year ago got, it was similar position and, and then got a bunch of money. Right. So, yeah, he, he's probably someone who is is upset right now that he didn't have the chance to, to vault himself into a, into a $100 million plus player. Yeah. If you were uh, going into free agency this year, um, would mm-hmm. you consider just sitting out? Like sitting out the season that is not going to happen? Well, yeah, we've we've exited our thought experiment and re-entered oh, okay. uh, reality, where it hasn't officially been decreed that the season's off. No, I think that would be make you a really hard sell to a fan base into a into an ownership group hmm. that you asked out of competition as a, as a player, um, unless you had sort of like high risk connections that you were willing to be open about. I don't think that would be, you know, that's in general in sports, we like to see by we, I mean like the broader fan base, like the, the following likes to see people who are absolutely committed to this. Hmm. I mean, that is, that is, feels like the most likely answer. Why not? But I wonder, well, I don't know. I think it just depends. It depends. There are some, I think there would have to be some, uh, front offices and ownership groups who would understand that would I mean I don't know I think it would depend I think it would certainly hurt it would certainly limit the players market but I also think in terms of a uh, risk standpoint it, it might be worth it I mean I think there's a lot of downside risk and there's very little upside it feels like for these yeah. guys to play that is the that's the difficult calculus that's fair um, I guess the other thing is that in general when you're um, signing a player you would like them to, to have played baseball recently right? Like ignoring the pandemic, I mean, you just want the guy to have played as a right? as a hitter, not, but yeah. as a pitcher, I don't know. I don't know if I care that much for pitchers. Well, I mean, we've never. We, there's not really a lot of examples since like World War II about guys <laughs> not pitching for a year while healthy. Like that's uh, that doesn't really happen. I don't know. That's happened before with like guys in the draft when they didn't get picked and. Uh, like, but major leaguers, I mean, that's a different age group. We're talking yeah. about 30 year olds versus 19 year olds. Right. I think that would worry me a little bit for hitters, but I don't, I don't know if I care about that for pitchers. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm an idiot. I mean, it's very likely that something one of us or both of us has said in the last, how long we've been doing this, 18 minutes is going to like be, will ultimately look very stupid. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely, I feel like I'm putting together one of my dumber podcast performances today. Um, but you know that's and that's saying something. No, 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 no. That's not. That's, <laughs> don't be rude to yourself. Thanks, Andy. pal. Um, I do think. Uh, do you think the Dodgers will have any significant issues bringing Justin Turner back for next year? I know we've kind of talked about this before, but I'm just curious as time has passed if it seems like that would should be a priority and also one they should be able to handle relatively quickly. Yeah, I think both sides, the Justin Turner and the Dodgers, were gearing up like three and a half months ago for to make this like the last hurrah yeah. of this of this like the last certain hurrah and, and they thought they had a wonderful chance to win the World Series, which, yeah. you know, by all accounts they did. So it's sort of like if you just look at it from a simple perspective of like both sides are aligned in, in their desire to do this. And they both and he wants to get another deal that would pay him money and the Dodgers should be able to pay him money. And they agreed to something the last time that ended up being wonderful for the Dodgers. Yeah. So I don't see why not. I mean, that said, he's a free agent, and right. anytime someone's a free agent, I mean, I would not put it at more than like a fifty or sixty percent chance. Mm. But even that makes it way higher than right. almost any other free right. agent ever. It feels like it goes into the kind of and Turner is a, is a different uh, quality of player at this point in his career. But it feels like it's kind of similar to the situations with David Freeze and Chase Utley that 
you know, I, I don't think Turner's been as, uh, you know, I think Turner would play for another baseball team, unlike those guys who are pretty much ready to retire. But it just makes, it would be, uh, I think, for the fans and for all parties involved, it would be a, a shame if he kind of didn't finish his career as a Dodger, just based on everything he's meant to the franchise and what it's done for his career to be with the team. Yeah, I'm with you. There's just no reason to not have it work out for the, the for a, another year. That said, if he's if he, yeah, it would have to. I would imagine it would have to be on a one year basis. He could probably get a decent one year. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Again, it, it goes back to the uncertainty of the market. But like, especially for an American League team, man, he can he can hit, dude. Like, he's one of the best hitters in the. Well, sport. he can also get another. I mean, he he he's going to yeah, the, he's going to have a career as a, as a major league baseball player for at least three more years. I would say if yeah. he wants one, right. Like or if not longer, right. I mean, because the the hit tool is there, right? And he's he's not striking out, and he can still like smack double. So it's I don't see why not. Yeah. <laughs> you were tr- you were searching for a verb there. I like that. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't really like smack, but it's okay. that's okay. That's okay. How are you doing otherwise? Do you want to talk about your Scott Radinsky story? I thought that was cool. Yeah, um, sure. I just um, when I covered the Angels, uh, their bullpen coach was a man named um, Scott Radinsky who had a long and reasonably successful career as a major league reliever and throughout it was a um, was the lead singer of a of a punk band <laughs> um, a couple punk bands but most famously Pully uh, which never really reached uh, a level to which like probably people listening to this are aware of right. But it was, but they were, they they were and are a reasonably successful band in their, in terms of their longevity. I mean, they still tour. Like they had tours scheduled, like right now. They were supposed to be in Europe as, as we speak. So it's it's a funny thing I mean, listening to him talk about it. Like that. So he operated in these two worlds that are both like accomplishments, considered to be accomplishments by the wider world. Right. Like if you're the singer of a, of a band that exists for 20 years, that's a huge success. Yeah. And if you're a major leaguer for 13 years, that's a huge success. But both part, the people he did both things with had no understanding or interest in the other <laughs> passion. Like so they, he, would, he would describe like being in Sweden and kids singing along uh-huh. and like they had no idea that he was a baseball player. Just zero <laughs> idea. Like he was a, he was a huge dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they just no one cared and it was like his whole life basically mm-hmm. um it's funny to me especially having been in major league clubhouses and if we'll ever go back you know it's it's just punk is punk rock is not what the the vibe that you get in there <laughs> no right <laughs> yeah so he would describe like after games like he would pitch the seventh inning of like a game of like a wednesday july game at dodger stadium and then he would like go to the studio and like lay down some vocals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, did he like have Hollywood. any? Did he like try and talk to teammates about his music ever? A little bit. That's a little bit in the story. And basically, they don't. They didn't care. No one was interested. <laughs> They're not. Yeah. They're, like he had two people who were interested in it over the years that he could recall. <laughs> and one of them ended up being a um, a coach on the Angel staff when I when I coach uh, when I covered them and that uh, and he he was kind of like a singer songwriter uh-huh. type. Dave Hansen. Okay former uh, longtime successful pinch hitter and they would sort of just play together on the road in like hotel rooms they would just they would just jam <laughs> um even though their music tastes were yeah. you know very varied because yeah. just because they were you know, two of the only guys who had that sort of interest right. so it it yeah it's just it was just funny to me though like during our conversation i found myself like actually laughing a lot more than i usually do <laughs> in the interview just because the the premise is 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 it sounds like a joke like yeah uh, you get a reliever and he's he's oh he's a punk yeah yeah, yeah okay that makes right, sense right right um so cool yeah it it's uh the the idea of the two coaches who have almost nothing in 
common musically jamming on the road does remind me of the Dodgers reliever bull, the bullpen book club that they oh they, yeah the finer things they, yeah, yeah they couldn't get going because uh, what was it like Tony Singrani, Tony Singrani only read hard sci-fi and uh, Josh Fields only read like you know Chris Kyle's autobiography and like they couldn't but Stripling and JT Shagwalk couldn't get the rest of them on board yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't think I have anything productive to say to that. Uh, but yeah, I just yeah. I wish I would. You know, the one ball player I'd like to actually talk to for a while is Tony Singrani. He seems like a very interesting guy, and he just never had any interest in talking to us. Yeah, I don't think I ever successfully uh, spoke to the man in a, in a one-on-one context. <laughs> it was generally just yeah, not not accepted. I'll always remember that day when uh, Gernick was over by his locker for a while, and then walked away, and then came back, and the next day there was a story about Tony Singrani climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, and I was very confused. <laughs> Yeah, there was that whole thing with Joe West too, where he um, he was very. That was the one time I can recall him actually talking. Were you there that I, day? Probably, yeah, probably. He 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 was very upset about a, a Joe West decision that cost the Dodgers <laughs> it was a like game a in April twenty twenty against the Marlins. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's good times. Those are the days. His like rhetorical strategy was just to say like, oh well, if Joe West said it, it's definitely right. <laughs> And he repeated that line like <laughs> at least five times in the interview, and refused. Like he was, only, he only spoke in that sort of guarded, uh, sarcastic context. Uh, that's a good time. That's a good time. Well, this was fun. It was. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please rate and review us if you can. Have a great day, and we'll be back next week.